Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, what is going on? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast, reporting live uh, late afternoon as I record this on a Monday, uh, also known around NFL circles as Black Monday. People have been getting fired left and right. I woke up this morning to the news of Mike Mayock being hired. Tons of thoughts here on Black Monday, on the coaches. And just on everything going on. I'm, I'm going to dive into that in one second. Also going to dive into Mike Zimmer. Uh, looks like I was on the right side of history. I went on a rant a couple weeks ago about firing John Filippo. It, it turns out the dinosaur kind of poked his, his ugly head again yesterday. And Matt Nagy and Vic Fangio and Khalil Mack and Trubisky took them to the woodshed. Obviously, playoffs. Uh, we, we have the matchups. Pretty, I, I think... You can't get much better just top to bottom. Uh, the games we have on Saturday and Sunday, I'll dive into some of my thoughts there. College football playoffs, had some big takeaways. What what a what an awesome day in theory, and then the actual game start. But, you know, if you were gambling and you followed my advice, I had Notre Dame getting rolled. I had Oklahoma keeping it within the 14 points. I'm trying to make you money here. And then I'm, I'm going to do a little game called Word Association. I'm going to go through every team on both conferences, the, the one through six seeds in the playoffs, and just the first word that comes to my mind. Kind of a, a little radio-y type segment, but it's just something, trying to mix it up a little bit, and then we'll end with the Middlecoff mailbag. You can always get in the Middlecoff mailbag, just slide up into my DMs, at John Middlecoff on Instagram. 
we try to do it for the kids here on Instagram. Slide up into my DMs. But let me start with something. Black Monday happened, and what did we see? All the coaches got fired, but none of the GMs got fired. I know Mike Mayock was just introduced. I have a couple thoughts on that here in a second, but Reggie McKenzie had been fired for a long time, you know, a month now or plus. But you look at the Jets, you look at the Cardinals, you look all over the, the Buccaneers, obviously the Browns, the Packers, the, the GMs are safe. And I started thinking, why do coaches get fired, but general managers don't? Like, think about that. All these coaches are fired, and none of the general managers lose their job. When you looked at the New York Jets, Mike McCagnan, who hired Todd Bowles, they, they came in at the same time, built a roster that Jamal Adams yesterday basically called the entire roster, I, I don't think he was including Sam Darnold, but every other player on the team, gutless, heartless, said we have no dogs. Steve Kime, the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals, started this season off. First off, he hired Wilkes. And one of the big stories when he hired Steve Wilkes was they had like met over the offseason the previous year when they were on vacation in like the Gulf of Mexico or something. They met on a beach, both worked in the NFL, started talking, had a friendship. And that's kind of how it all started. He got a DUI in this summer, you know, this offseason, I guess it's still 2018, on the 4th of July. I'm recording this on New Year's Eve. If you get a DUI on the 4th of July or on New Year's Eve, you are two things. You're either an alcoholic or you're an idiot. Worst case, you're a combination of the two. So if you're a multimillionaire and you get a DUI and he had a bad DUI and people are like, what do you mean a bad DUI? All DUIs are all DUIs. Now you can put context uh, things into uh, bad things into context. You know, not all DUIs are created equal. When you blow like a 3-0 on 4th of July, that's an awful DUI. When you blow a .08 on Wednesday afternoon after a work meeting, yeah, I mean, it's a bad decision, but I look at it a little differently. That guy kept his job. He hired Wilkes, then he fired him, and he got to keep his job. John Elway, who is, you know, basically the pseudo-owner in Denver, said he made this decision by starting this morning by looking in the mirror. Well, it's like, John, the guy you saw in the mirror was Vance Joseph? Because that's who you fired. But why do coaches get fired? Well, one, I think general managers, it's a little rigged. Now, first off, coaches make a lot more. Just to put it in context, I think most of us know, give or take what coaches make. You know, first-time coaches make between four and five, and the higher-level coaches now make between eight to ten. I think Pete Carroll's extension was $11 million. So coaches make a shitload of money. General managers, like a highly paid, like John Lynch, who, because he had leverage, was one of the highest paid general managers in the league, makes like $4 million. Makes a ton. Might be a little less, but makes a lot of money. That's a high, high paid general manager. A good GM salary is between 2 and $3 million. So they don't make as much. So on the line item for the owner, you don't, it's easier to replace. Now, all these guys are necessarily easier to replace because the cap and the new CBA with, not necessarily the cap, but the CBA which pays all these teams at the start of the seat or throughout the season, like 250 plus million dollars makes this somewhat like couch change, you know, like the change you'd find in your car for owners now. So eating $10 million to pay a coach is not that difficult. The other thing with the general manager, I can kind of quantify who you draft and who you didn't draft, 
but I can always push it off into unquantifiable things. Like, that coach didn't use my player correctly. That coach wasn't running the right scheme. That coach doesn't know what he's doing. That coach is an idiot. Well, Steve Kime, for example, who does he sit next to during the game? The owner. Who do a lot of general managers sit next to during the game? The owner. What language do they speak? A similar language. Because what do general managers talk about? How much money this player will cost. How much money this assistant coach will cost. How much draft capital they'd have to use to trade up to get this play. They talk similar languages. Most owners come from a business background. They talk like spreadsheets. Now, I've talked to a couple owners. They have normal conversations. But you know what I mean. They think in business terms. Well, general managers are kind of the, the guy in the middle of the can speak the coach's language. The good ones can speak the coaching language, but can also speak the cap money language, which most owners speak. So they have an inside track to speaking to the owners where it's somewhat of a rigged deal. Like they have a different relationship with the owner and the owner also, like they don't have much in common with the head coach. It's why when a head coach can speak their language, like Andy Reid, he can talk money and draft value. And he's just an easy guy to get along with. He has great relationships with owners. Clearly, Mike Tomlin is a pretty guy, to, pretty easy guy to have conversations with. What does Bill Belichick do? He can speak Robert Kraft's languages. When you see some of these coaches that just have no chance from the jump, like Vance Joseph, working for John Elway is not easy. He's basically like Al Davis Jr., but he doesn't own the team, but he's unfireable. He's you know NFL royalty. He's the most famous athlete in the history of the state. Like That's not an easy job. Like working for John Dorsey that clearly has the owner's ear, that has a huge ego, is not easy to work for. So, But all these general managers keep their jobs. So when we're talking about what job is the best opening, is the Jets job a good opening? Well, I know Chris Johnson said the owner, or excuse me, the new head coach will answer to me, but is Mike McCagnon picking the players? Like who's the guy deciding who we're going to draft and who we're going to sign in free agency? I know who that guy is in Cleveland. John Dorsey. I know who that guy is in Denver. It's John Elway. Jason Light stayed in Tampa Bay. Like, these guys aren't leaving. So you don't get to, you know, what's Parcell's famous quote? You want me to cook the dinner, but I don't get to pick the groceries. And that's the problem. Now, it's one thing if, you know, Belichick or Parcells or, hell, even Elway. I've always defended Elway, but that's not an easy situation. Especially when you know that, like, that guy, might, that guy could fire you. Like, Mike McCagden essentially fired Todd Bowles. Kime fired Wilkes. Like, you're working for this guy, but he doesn't own the team, but he's like a made man in the mob. It's pretty crazy. Now, here's another thing. I I don't feel bad for these coaches that lost jobs. Most people listening are at-will employees. You can get fired at any time. And even if you make a lot of money, they might not owe you anything. Where these coaches, like Steve Wilkes, like, he got screwed. No, he didn't. He's a a top 1% of a 1%er. He made four or five million dollars this year and he's owed 12, 15 million dollars the next three years. He does not have to work to get paid that much money. Think in any other job. Like that's incredible, incredible opportunity. Those guys take those jobs to change their life, whether it works or doesn't. And here's the other thing. If I want to counter to my argument about general managers that it's kind of rigged and they've got the owner's ear and they never get fired... When you do get fired as a GM, you, you, as a wise man once told me, a.k.a. Phil Savage, former Cleveland Browns general manager, 
who waited a long time, who was Ozzie Newsom's right-hand man, won a Super Bowl in Baltimore, turned down general manager jobs, got his one shot, never got another one, never got another one. You only get one shot. Like if Vance Joseph goes to wherever team and they have a good defense the next couple years, he'd get another shot. Adam Gase, he's going to get another shot. Hell, he might get another shot this year. I actually think Adam Gase would make a lot of sense in Arizona. General managers don't get they get they get one they get make less money they get one they get one job now they get two or three coaches I mean it's gonna be Steve Kimes third coach McHagden second Jason Jason Light's third I mean general managers get a lot of coaches but it, it's not a fair fight and you you understand where the infighting comes it's like any job if you are working with someone and you are two of the most important people in the company but one of those people is directly in the guy that owns the company's ear all the time, they have a better relationship, you're going to feel somewhat inferior. The the relationship is going to be tense. That's why a lot of these GM coaching relationships are very fake. Coaches aren't idiots. They they know where you sit during the game. They know that when you're not around, how you're telling the owner how he's an idiot, how you can upgrade, how they can get a better coach, how his assistant coaches aren't very good, how he doesn't understand the cap, how he doesn't get value. So I, I don't ever be shocked when you see the crazy infighting because it, it's kind of a rigged deal from the beginning. The, the, the coaches on these teams are always at a disadvantage when it comes to the hiring and firing cycle because the general manager is in the owner's ear. Not going to spend too much time on this, but it is pretty interesting uh, just because these two, th- this is the all, the all television slash media general manager coach combination. Uh, I didn't give it enough credence and take it seriously enough on Sunday when it was reported that Mike Mayock had interviewed for the Raiders. I should have because of John Gruden. Like, why wouldn't they hire Mike Mayock? I'm like, oh, they'll hire more people. And then, boom, announced this morning Mike Mayock's hired. Before I recorded this podcast, I watched the press conference. So it happened pretty fast. My, my takeaway is simply this. that I have zero doubts of Mayock, his ability to work, his ability to grind the tape, his ability to understand what good and bad players are. That, that will be the least of his worries. Also, he is a type A alpha bull in a china shop. He'll fit perfectly with John Gruden. John Gruden is going 90 miles an hour, 24-7, 365. Mayock is that type guy, both with football. They care. You talk to people that work with John Gruden, they're coaches that live, breathe, and sleep football. They go, he'll make you think you don't like football enough because he likes it so much. And I think Gruden is basically the same guy. Uh, or excuse me, Mayock is the same guy. The thing I question is, are they too similar? What John really needs is like a Howie Roseman, Parag Marafe, the way Belichick thinks, open-minded with value, being able to wheel and deal, understanding that we don't need to take this guy in the second round, we can get him in the fourth round. Is Mike that guy? I'm not sure. From following his career and watching him like, Everyone listening to this podcast has watched Mayock for years on television. He knows good players. He's going to like some guys that he shouldn't like. It happens to us all. But will he go, you know what, and this is just the ability and the experience you gain when you work in the NFL for a long time. We don't need to get this guy in the second round. We can draft him in the fourth round. We don't need to pay this guy $7 because we can get these two other guys at $3 million a pop and get two players for the price of one. Just things that experience in this league. The day I remember when I first started working in the NFL, I was basically the equivalent of like Howie Roseman's secretary. 
just constantly printing out boards, just doing everything under the sun. And it was so overwhelming. Now, I had come from college football. Mike Mayock knows 50 times more has experience of all the players in the NFL. But the difference is, and by my second year in the league, I had a good idea of all the guys on all the practice squads, their strengths and weaknesses, uh, you know, fringe guys on our division, you know, the division opponents, things that if you just worked in the league, like Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin, they've evaluated every player coming out of the draft. They've also then evaluated the majority of the league in the league. And their feel for players is just different because guys do change or your perception of them is either validated or you have to adapt once they play. Like, is Mike super locked into all that? Uh, and he even admitted, no, I mean, that's something that he's going to need help with. So to me, whoever his pro director is, hiring guys to help him out, just texting with a buddy in the league who had a good text. He's like, I'm fascinated to see who his number two is. His number two better be a guy with a lot of experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a 70-year-old guy, but like someone that's been in the league for a decade plus. Because the longer you're in the league, just the daily minutia of who's working out for who, who's on what practice squads, what certain teams like, what's the mindset of these three GMs. And Mike even talked about in his press conference, he already thought like that because the way, and he did, he talks like that, but it's different when you live it and it's all day, every day. And I think the transition you saw for Gruden was difficult. Like Khalil Mack didn't call him back and that pissed John off. Well, John, it's 2018. Khalil Mack had $90 million on the line. He has an agent, just like you have an agent. You want to talk to him, call his agent. Until the deal's done, that's just... Now, 20 years ago, yeah, coaches got mad at that shit. Not anymore. The, the game's changed. And, and say this, like the other question. Mike, and I, Mike's clearly a smart guy. And everyone in football that I know, that I respect, and it just turns out most people I know in the league, they're all playing in the playoffs. So, you know, I happen to know a lot of high-level people. They all like him. They all rave about him. I've met him a couple times. Mike's an impressive guy. If you watch him on TV for 10 minutes, he knows what he's talking about. But he is 60, and he's never worked in the NFL. Now he talked about, I saw him on the NFL Network saying, like, it's, I haven't had butterflies like this in a long time. There is something reinvigorating about new challenges for any human. Anytime you get a new challenge in life, it can wake you up. It can inspire you. But there's just going to be stuff that he just doesn't know. And I, I think that's going to be somewhat of a challenge, but I actually think it'll be healthy. Uh, and the one thing's clear that I know people that have been working with Mike, that have been around Mike. Mike has a big ego. You know, Mike's going to walk into this building and view himself as every bit of the equal as John. And that and that aspect for Gruden, if he's ever going to have a chance to succeed, he needed a big ego guy. They can look at him like, no, John, I disagree with you in a, in a healthy way. And for that, I know people think I'm a Raider hater. I actually find the hire obviously interesting, but I do think there is a chance for it to succeed. Okay, let's, uh, let's touch on a guy that I went in on a couple weeks ago when he fired John Filippo, And I, I basically said, for those that didn't listen, I would imagine a decent amount of you did, that I called Mike Zimmer a dinosaur. Said he was living in the past. And yesterday, he was taken to the woodshed by Matt Nagy and Vic Fangio. Matt Nagy, an innovative young offensive coach that didn't even necessarily need to win the game. The Vikings had to win. The Bears beat them, knocked them out of the playoffs. And I heard, I'll give credit where credit is due, Kevin Clark, friend of the show, friend of mine, uh, at least I've met him a couple times, know him through Twitter, on The Ringer, and, and he and he claimed on, on his podcast, and, and I agree that this Vikings team, in the new era, post you know the 2011 CBA moving forward, 
is probably the biggest flop uh, of of any team over that six seven year period. When you factor in how good their roster was on paper, uh, they'd had previous success, been to the playoffs multiple times. Given how much money they bought the quarterback for, then not making the playoffs is uh, is a all time disaster. And I think Mike Zimmer deserves the majority of the blame. Listen, I, I, I am lucky that through social media and Twitter, I got to meet Colin Coward, develop a friendship, and then he asked me to do this. But the reason that I'm even doing this is because Colin Coward, who made his name in radio well before anything was streamed, well before radio shows were on television, talked into a mic. That's how Colin Coward became huge. And then he became, over the last 10 years, the biggest voice in sports talk radio. What did he do? Did he just, oh, we're just going to keep doing the same old thing? No. He expanded. Hell, he changed networks two years ago, went to Fox. His podcast grew. He created a podcast network. He does shows, like he did a show. He did his radio show on television. He even does a Saturday podcast. The majority of the year, during the fall, it's the gambling lines with R.J. Bell. During the offseason, he interviews interesting people. He's just always open-minded. No different than coaches. Belichick, always willing, open-minded to do anything new. I, I can't stand people that just hold on to something, even when it's working, and refuse to change. Like, I, I, I say this all the time about Chip Kelly. Everyone tells me how smart he is. I see a stubborn guy that's unwilling to change or ever adapt. So you can be intellectually really brilliant, but if you're stubborn and you're never willing to even uh, contemplate or ever willing to do anything to mix something up and, and be introspective and change and get with the times, I, I think that reflects on your intelligence. I've worked in the radio business. It's clear where we're headed. No one under 40 hops in a car and doesn't immediately connect their phone. All the new cars over the last several years are Wi-Fi compatible with your phone. Everything is streaming. That's why Colin does such big numbers on his podcast. Everything, that's, that's where the bread's going to be buttered here moving forward. Like I, I've been in radio and I've been now doing stuff like this. this is, it's clear where this is headed. Radio, like old school radio, it, to me is like newspapers 15 years ago. Like, are they going to be dead in 15 years? No. But is it going to dramatically change? 1,000%. And no different than football. Over the last several years, it's never become more important to have a innovative, forward-thinking, and aggressive passing game. The rules are on your side. I like Mike Zimmer. He's my type guy in theory. But when he just hammers the table... Pound the table, you know, like we do for players in a draft meeting. No different than when you're trying to set the tone for your organization. I want to run the ball more. You take a deep breath and you go, Mike, it's never been easier to throw the ball. We have two star receivers. We have a quarterback that now makes 30 plus million dollars. We drafted a running back two years ago in the second round that could have been a first round pick that can really catch the football. And we don't have a good blocking offensive line throw the football yet he was adamant we got we firing John D. Filippo we got to run the ball run the ball run the ball so he goes in the biggest game of the year he tries to run the ball you ain't gonna run it on Khalil Mack on Akeem Hicks on Roquan Smith on Danny Trevathan on Leonard Floyd those guys are gonna kick your ass and then they're gonna kick your ass some more Mike Zimmer living like a dinosaur thinking that it's still 1996 
deserved to get his ass kicked. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, two days ago, it was his own fault for the archaic thinking, refuse to think outside the box, refuse to admit and embrace what is working in today's environment at home to lose that game. Embarrassing. I, I think you could justify firing Mike Zimmer right now. You know, I, I got to give a little credit where credit is due. I did not like their draft pick. Anyone that listened to the show knows that, first off, I, I'm not big on taking running backs really high in the draft. I'm definitely not big on taking guards really high. But I'll tip my hat to Chris Ballard and to Andrew Luck and the Colts organization. To me, this year was a muscle flex for two people. One, I, I would say, you know, typically GMs don't get crazy buzz like over a period of two or three years and become kind of like the next Kyle Shanahan, you know, like Kyle kind of became in Atlanta. Uh, Adam Gase was actually that guy before Miami hired him. You know, Pat Shermer had a lot of buzz a couple years ago, or I guess last year now he was the Giants head coach. It's harder for GMs because we don't quite feel uh, if you're not the, if you're an assistant GM or the player personnel guy or the college director, it's hard to tell what you're really doing. But everyone that follows the NFL had heard the name Chris Ballard. I personally have never met him. I obviously have friends and know people with the Chiefs that swear by him. I know Matt Nagy loves him. Veach loves him. Coach Reed loves him. They all spoke highly of him. But until you really know what a guy's doing, it's hard to quite quantify it. With a quarterback, it's pretty, it's pretty easy, right? It's black and white. I, it's why I never understood the Andrew Luck haters. And I, I, maybe it's just as simple as in life, people resent greatness. Like, the dude was great in college. He gets drafted number one. Uh, Ryan Grixon, who I've worked with, which, I, you know, was laughable when he was hired as the GM, arguably will go down as the worst general manager in NFL history, almost ruined this great player. He took that team. He took Ryan Grixon to the playoffs three times. Chuck Pagano, who somehow is getting interviews. Uh, I, I wouldn't hire Chuck Pagano as my head coach with a 10-foot pole. But, you know, Chuck Pagano was his head coach. Andrew Luck overcame it all. Then this year, with the help of Chris Ballard, because I, I tip my hat to Chris Ballard, and maybe I should have thought about like the way I looked at the way their draft had kind of, the way they approached it, you had to protect Andrew. I, I kind of get it now. You know, maybe I shouldn't have been so stubborn. Like, you can have, you know, kind of hard, hard set and concrete rules in life, but sometimes you have to be flexible to, you know, I wouldn't take running backs in the first round, but Saquon Barkley's, Ezekiel Elliott's, I do get it. That when you look at what Andrew Luck has accomplished this year with the help of Ballard and even Frank, Josh McDaniels left Chris Ballard at the altar. It still to this day, and we may never see anything quite like it again, is one of the craziest things we've ever seen in sports. They end up with Frank Reich. They start one and five. Andrew early on, you know, as he should have, he hadn't played in a year and a half. He was coming off multiple shoulder injuries, looks rusty. But for them to finish, what, what are they, 10-6, and six, the sixth seed, uh, they're, they're playing the Texans, which they're getting two and a half points. I, I love the Colts in this game. Uh, for them to do what they did, it really is might be the best feel-good story of the NFL. Uh, and it just speaks to Andrew Luck's greatness. It speaks to Chris Ballard and how good he is as a GM, how the hype all those years about this guy, this number two with the Bears and then the Chiefs, was justified. This guy was that good. And I think the combination of the two of them, and then you got to give the coach some credit too. I think they're, I, I saw they they shot in to the, to the locker room on CBS 
Frank Reich said, we're only the second team in NFL history to start one and five and make the playoffs. Then I was in the car today and I heard on the radio they're the third team. So I'm not sure if it's the second or the third team, but clearly it's an incredible accomplishment to start one and five and make the playoffs. Like that's not normal. You know, last year the the Chargers started 0-4, finished 9-7 and one game out, and they were clearly one of the hotter teams in the NFL. But this guy, I think, lucked through 39 touchdowns this year. He does throw some bad picks, but picks never bother me. Like, you watch him, he clearly is one of the most talented young quarterbacks. He's not that young anymore. But this is the fourth time he's gone to the playoffs. Three with Grigson, who is just the worst general manager of all time. The fourth coming back from shoulder injuries after a 1-5 and five start with a head coach that wasn't even supposed to be their head coach. Like, th- this guy, I mean, how many more? We're, we're looking at a, a surefire Hall of Famer, one of the great players we've ever seen. We're also looking at one of the more dynamic general managers we've seen in re- recent memory. Crushed the last couple drafts. He's done a great job because you have luck. You can take some flyers on guys, and you're going to hit. Eric Ebron, boom, stud now. Those two running backs they have. Mack and Hines, pretty good. T.Y. Hilton's good. If they get one more wide receiver to go with him, they're going to be in good shape. Their defense is good. Hopefully they don't lose Uberflus. Also give them credit. They hired Uberflus before they hired McDaniels because McDaniels told them to, and it turns out that guy's just good. You know, they just got a good thing going. They, they, they win a lot, and they feel a lot different this time around than they did Andrew Luck's first couple years when they were making the playoffs. They have a capable GM. Andrew is just better now than he was back then. He's just smarter. He's just more experienced. And they have a head coach that I still don't know that much about, besides clearly this guy's pretty solid and knows offense. Like Chuck Pagano, I didn't even know what he did. Their defenses were terrible. I know he knows nothing about offense, and he clearly was awful at game management. I know Frank, he's smart. He knows offense. He calls the plays. Like He just brings more to the table. You know, He brings a lot more to the table. So, hat tip to the Colts. I don't know if Chris Ballard's going to win general manager of the year. You know, I don't know if Luck, he's not going to get the MVP this year. He's going to get it one of these years because he's an MVP caliber player. And just an, just an incredible story of a slow start, an incredible finish. And I'll, I'll tell you this, because uh, it's kind of lining up. If they were to upset the Texans, that means they would get the Chiefs in the second round. That's That would be a tough first round, the first game for the Chiefs. Uh, Andrew Luck, this Colts, this Colts team, I think they could make a legitimate run in the AFC. Okay, let's re- really quick, won't spend too much time. It's crazy because Monday in the NFL, Black Monday, and the playoff picture, and everything kind of uh, overshadows and clouds. And we forget that the playoffs just happened on Saturday. And let's call it what it is. There, it was a little bit of a dud. Uh, I, I thought the Clemson game actually looked worse than I even thought, and I thought Notre Dame had no chance. They, they didn't belong. They have way too many over... You, you cannot have overachievers on your team and hang with Clemson or Alabama, or hell, even Georgia, or hell, LSU. Like, do you understand the blue chippers that are playing in the South in those three or four elite teams? Obviously, Bama's in its own little world. And then Clemson, LSU... In Georgia, like the level of talent which those teams have. I, I mean, Notre Dame's rolling out a safety. Looks like a stiff in space. Couldn't cover any sort of NFL-type receiver. And they just got work. They, they did not belong speed-wise. And he, here's the thing. I, I, I don't ever want to hear their argument anymore. Like, you need to recruit and get better players. 
because you do not belong with Ohio State, with Bama, with Georgia, with Clemson. Like, you're not in the same conversation. Same thing for the Pac-12. Like, I don't want to hear your arguments anymore. From now on, it's clear. I test when Georgia's a badass squad, they belong in. When LSU wins one game or loses one game and they lose to Alabama, they belong in. You know, Ohio State, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt moving forward over Notre Dame. They're dead to me. They don't, they, they've proven their worth and it ain't good enough. You do not belong on the big stage. Not, not with the big boys. Like, you've gotten your chance now twice in the last five or six years and you've got mollywopped. You got embarrassed. They ran circles around you. Like, the, the dreams of the overachiever, like, give me the tough guy. In 2018, in college football with Bama, with, with Ohio State, with Clemson, they will pull down their pants and take a gigantic poop right on your face. And that's what Clemson did to Notre Dame. They looked at him and said, you do not belong on the field with us. And they didn't. Not, not, not anywhere close. Like that quarterback, what what, what was that? I Ian Book, fun story, and I guess he's better than Wimbush, the guy they had. That guy, you think that guy would start at Georgia, at Bama, at Clemson, at Ohio State? Come on. And then the other game. I'll say this. He, he looks small, and I, I'm starting to change my tune a little bit. Just his height would be somewhat of a deterrent for me if I was Mike Mayock or just anyone, you know, thinking about drafting Kyler Murray as my quarterback. But one thing was clear. As I just said about Notre Dame, they didn't belong on the field speed-wise. I'll tell you who belonged. I'll tell you who the best athlete of the weekend was. It was Kyler Murray. He was running at a different speed. Now, if he's not a quarterback, I know for damn sure what he is. And that's an elite NFL athlete. Get the ball, whether that's a hybrid running back receiver, like Tavon Austin meets, you know, Saquon Barkley meets Julian Edelman. I don't even know what his position is. I don't even know if he can catch. But if he can catch, he's a first-round NFL player. He was remarkable just in terms of his play speed relative to the, the Alabama team, which is clearly one of the fastest teams year in, year out. Their size and speed is remarkable. And he was flying around them. It was eye-opening how fast the kid is. He is special. Now, can he play quarterback? Probably not. It'd be really hard because he clearly is really short. You know, but with the ball in his hands against other elite players, he is the elitist. You know, he's the best. Elitist, is that even the word? He's just, he's on a different level speed-wise. Like, you watch him and you go, that's what elite NFL speed looks like. Like, again, if he can catch, why couldn't he be an elite receiver in the NFL level? I mean, look at the guys that are playing in the NFL, you know, small size-wise. Now, I'm not saying he's Antonio Brown or anything, but what if he does have ball skills? Why wouldn't he? He plays the outfield and, like, so he tracks the ball naturally as an outfielder. I would ima- I'm guessing he's got at least adequate hands, maybe above average. If he does, he's a first-round player as an athlete, just as an athlete. So even if we've come to the conclusion, and I think it's you overreact just like, you, you can go both ways, uh, but you, you typically overreact to one game, positively or negatively with one player. So I'm not trying to overreact and say he can't play quarterback, though that was my first reaction. But my other reaction was he is 1,000% an NFL player. 1,000% has the chance to be a dynamic NFL player. 
1,000% has a chance to be like a Pro Bowl offensive weapon. I don't even think that's arguable. I mean, I think Nick Saban will tell you that. Like, he's never played a player that fast. It was eye-opening how special this kid's speed is. And I hope, selfishly, uh, I wouldn't mind him doing both, but I I wouldn't mind him giving football a try, even if it means he has to change positions. Okay, I'm going to do a little exercise here. I I wrote down both conferences, the one through six seed in the playoffs, and I just did a little word association. I wrote one Chiefs, and then the first thing I thought of, a couple of these, yeah, I'm not a wordsmith here, so uh, not an English major, might be two words. But I, I tried to get one word. The first thing I thought about heading into the playoffs, you know, clearly the Chiefs, Patriots, Saints, and Rams ha- have buys. But I went one through six, one through six. We'll start with the AFC. The first word that came to my mind, because I think this has been one of the better NFL seasons start to finish, I think this is as open of a playoff. Uh, you know, you just it's often said you just want to get into the dance. Anything can happen. I think that's never been more true this year. So I, I think this is as good, maybe not top to bottom as a playoff field, but I do think because there are no at the top, like are the Saints the best team? You know, the Chiefs are a pretty flawed one seed, but they are incredible on offense. Any of these teams, you know, just looking at it, I, I don't know. I mean... I would be the most shocked probably if the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Maybe Houston, but I could see the Chiefs doing it. I could see the Patriots doing it. I could see the Chargers. I could see the Colts, Saints, Rams, Bears, Dallas, Seattle, Philly. See all these teams winning. So let's let's start at the top. Chiefs, number one. When I thought just how I think about their season and how I think about them going into the playoffs, the first word that came to my mind was innovative. I mean, first year Patrick Mahomes starting, what they do on offense, absolutely incredible. No coordinator consistently adapts his offense better to his personnel. No coordinator, and that's obviously Andy, has been more open-minded, uh, and, and it's clearly taught his assistants. You see Doug Peterson, you see Matt Nagy, who are playing each other, to think like that too. And when I think the Kansas City Chiefs and I think their offense, when I just think about their team, I think innovation. Uh, they, they operate like a startup. You know, like they've proven nothing, always willing to try things. And it's really paid off this year. The Patriots, champions. Uh, This is not a very good Patriot team relative to other teams. I think they lack the high-end talent. Uh, Their best player beside Brady, Gronkowski, is a shell of himself from what he's been at his peak. But Hunter Pence once had a, a, a line when the Giants won their second world championship that he played on. Obviously, they won in 10, 12, and 14. And he gave a speech in 2014 when they made the playoffs to kind of a pregame speech. It doesn't usually happen in baseball. And the word he used was championship blood. And he looked at everyone in in the room. He said, that's what's in here. The Giants had no business winning that third World Series. But they got that championship blood. And that's what you have if you're a Patriot. You have that championship blood. That championship DNA. Uh, you can say what you want. They're not as talented. They're not as explosive. All that stuff is true. I know this. I don't want to play Belichick and Brady in a winner-go-home game. Not in Foxborough, not in my home building. I don't want to play them. The Houston Texans. This is where my uh, limited vocabulary came in. So this is two words. I use a slash, so it's it's one word. Top heavy. Uh, They have some blue-chip players. Hopkins, elite. Watt, Clowney, elite. 
Watson, baller. But I can't name it. Honey Badger's still really damn good. Their offensive line's terrible. Lamar Miller's just a guy. Who's their second wide receiver? Who else they really have, you know, on defense? But they're top-heavy. Their they're elite players are so good. All pro, Clowney and Watt are dominant players. The Honey Badger is still a elite, versatile player. Deshaun Watson is just special. And DeAndre Hopkins is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. So if you are going to be top-heavy, I want to be top-heavy with that talent. Now, could they beat the Patriots? The Patriots have owned them. Uh, so if they were to beat Indy, I, I don't feel great about them going to New England, but I, I wouldn't necessarily count them out. The Ravens, a little fluky. Uh, I added a little, but just fluky. Because they have a great defense. Their defense as a unit is excellent. But they run a high school offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson completes anywhere between 12 and 15 balls a game. I'll tell you this. In the NFL, in the playoffs, when it's third and seven, everyone knows you're throwing, you better be able to complete a pass. You can't run the triple option. You can't ask your quarterback to run for it. You got to go four or five wide, and you got to complete a pass. I know that Mahomes can do it. I know that Brady can do it. I know that Watson can do it. I know that Rivers can do it. And I know that Andrew Luck can do it. Can Lamar Jackson? I'm betting against it. It's why my lock of the of the whole weekend is the Chargers beating the Ravens. The Chargers. Again, not a wordsmith, so I had to use two words. Don't trust. How can you? Uh, th- this is a big game for Phillip Rivers. Y- you can't lose to Lamar Jackson. It can't happen. You don't have to win the Super Bowl, uh, but you had a great year. You got to win a playoff game, especially when you're playing a rookie quarterback that runs a high school offense. So, so you got to find a way to win. But at the end of the day... The Chargers still are the Chargers, and I just don't trust them. I, it's just really that simple. Though my lock of the week <laughs> is the Chargers. I plan on putting a large amount of money on them, plus two and a half. That doesn't mean I feel great about it. Uh, the Colts ascending. I don't know if this is their year. It's probably not. But I know Albert Breer said on Collins' radio show that he thought they had a chance to be a potential dynasty. I, I can't disagree. Andrew Luck is a once-in-a-generation quarterback. I mean, he's a Manning. He's a, you know, a Favre, a Young, a Montana. Like, he's an all-time great. If you can't see it, I can't help you. Maybe start watching the WNBA or something. Uh, Their defense is really good. I talked about them earlier. Their GM's really good. They're a team on the come. And I'd be shocked next year if they're not a 1-2 seed somewhere in there. Like, they're going to be really good next year. Imagine when they don't start 1-5. Where are they going to go? 12-4, 13-3? Like, to me, them and the Chiefs are the arrow pointing straight up at the sky. Let's go to the NFC, the Saints, home field. And you're like, oh, of course they have home field. Yeah, well, for them, it matters. Playing in, like, they're, I just, it's hard for me to see them losing. I, I just think they are going to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know who's going to go to the Super Bowl of the AFC. You know, the Chiefs, they haven't won a playoff game since, like, Joe Montana at, you know, at Arrowhead. Patriots are flawed. The Texans are weird. The Ravens, it's hard. I, I don't know. I'm pretty confident the Saints are going to win their two home games. They're going to get the Cowboys probably in the second round. It's going to be redemption. Pretty easy to do bulletin board material. That team beat them earlier in the season. And then they probably get the, you know, the Bears or the Rams in that NFC Championship game. I think they win. They're just not losing at home. So I just, when I think, you, I, I could have uh, substituted Dome for home field. Like, it's just, that place is nuts. They, they, they ain't losing there. The Rams. This is crazy because I thought they were the best team in the league a month ago. But when I, when you just say the Rams, the first thing I think of is soft. Uh, I, I just, 
I have a hard time. Honestly, I don't think if the Bears win this game, which is going to be tough against Philly, I think the Bears go to L.A. and beat them. Uh, and it's just because they're, they're just soft. Aaron Donald's not soft. Todd Gurley's not soft, but he's injured. Now, he's going to play in that game, you would imagine. I mean, it, I think there was a report today. He's going to play. But he's not 100%. Now, Aaron Donald's a badass. But the rest of their defense is not very good. Their linebackers are average at best. They do not cover very well. So if Aaron Donald doesn't get you multiple sacks, you're in trouble. Nadamba Su is a good big body. He doesn't do that much. So I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just, and this word I have for the Bears is why I think that they're going to win. They're going to beat the Eagles, and I think they go to L.A. and beat them. They're tough. They When I think the Bears, I just think tough. And listen, defense does not matter nearly as much as it used to, but what they do on defense does matter. They can rush the shit out of the passer. Mack, Floyd, Hicks, they can bring it. Both their linebackers can blitz. Those two linebackers can cover sideline to sideline. So even if you're running outside, those guys can track them down, and then they can cover. And I would imagine Eddie Jackson's going to come back. They get, Their DBs make plays. They lead the league in turnovers. They're just, this Fangio's, you know, his 2.0 version of what he had with Willis, Bowman, all those guys in San Francisco. He's got it kind of again in Chicago. They are a badass defense. The Ravens are a fantastic unit. To me, the Bears are just elite players and a unit. They're, they're the best version of what the Ravens, just because they don't really have as many of the blue chippers. They just play well as a group. The Bears are the best of both worlds. They play great as a unit, and then they just have all pro-level players. Like, I, I'm telling you, Roquan Smith, not a pro bowler or anything, the guy's going to be the best linebacker in the league once Keekly and Bobby Wagner you know, get a little older. Like, in three years, Roquan Smith will be the best middle linebacker in the league. Dallas. Speed, man. They are they are elite speed on defense. The, the front, they can really rush the passer, both the linebackers and Sean Lee. You got Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, and Sean Lee, if Sean Lee, his hamstring can be ripped at any time. And then all their DBs, they can fly. Their defensive team speed, especially at home, is suffocating. And they are playing Russell Wilson, who's mobile, but I think those guys chasing after Russell – Everyone's picking it feels like Seattle. I, I like Dallas in this game. Uh, I, I like Dallas pretty comfortable. Uh, Seattle, I, you got to tip your hat to them. This was the first thing I think of is culture. Th- this was a culture year for them. To have this much turnover beside Russell and beside Pete and John Schneider, those three guys dictate the culture on the team. Their owner died. All their star players were long gone. Even Earl Thomas, I read a stat on Twitter Led the team in interceptions. I mean, he played like three games. Broke his leg. Led the team in interceptions. So, just an incredible culture season for the Seattle Seahawks. And then Philly. The first thing I think of is just one word. It's Foles. (laughs) I mean, Nick Foles, clearly last year, tears ACL, comes in, they rattle off and win the Super Bowl. Just one of the more incredible couple-month spans we've ever seen in NFL history. Then this year... He starts the opening game on Thursday night against the Atlanta Falcons, who at the time, they had a bunch of injuries. But that team that the Atlanta rolled out week one was a playoff team. He beats them. So he's 1-0. Carson gets hurt. Again, then he starts the next week. He loses. So he's 1-1. Then Carson gets hurt. He started the last three games. He's won all three of them. So he won this year four of the five games he started. 
three of them, think about this, three of them, and you could technically say, because I know it was week one, but if they hadn't won week one, they never would have been in this position. But the last three games, they had to win just to stay alive. They went nine and seven. They were six and seven three weeks ago. Six and seven. They needed the help from Dinosaur Zimmer. But you got to just tip your hat to Nick Foles. Beat the Rams. Beat the Texans. I mean, those are two playoff teams. I mean, those are those are two big-time wins. And I, I get Washington wasn't a great win, but they came in, were up pretty easily. And they yanked him out because he could bruise his ribs. But, man, Nick Foles, what a story. What an incredible 12-month run that the guy's on. I mean, it's it's fun to watch as a sports fan. Okay, let's do a couple quick Middlecoff mailbags uh, as, you know, I, I send you off until your, into your New Year's hangover. Uh, you, you are probably hungover listening to this, and I'll be back on Friday with a little playoff preview. But what's up, John? Recent listener to the podcast, and I love your takes. Big Vikings fan. While I wasn't a DeFilippo hater, he definitely wasn't getting it done. That said, if the Vikings win out, maybe even steal a playoff dub, does Kevin Stefanski get serious looks to fill the head coaching vacancy this offseason for another team? Well, th- this was obviously before the last weekend's game. Uh, I, I did see that Stefanski is going to interview for a head coach. I don't think he's going to get an opportunity to become a head coach. Uh, I would imagine he'll be the OC with the Minnesota Vikings next year. That assumes, and I still don't think 100% locked in stone, that Zimmer is back. Because uh, like I said earlier, it's one of the biggest letdown seasons in recent memory in sports. You know, it, it happens sometimes like with the Re- Yankees and Red Sox when they like miss the playoffs when they're spending a lot of money. You see it sometimes in baseball. In football, every once in a while, a team that you just look at 100% lock should be a playoff team. They have a roster that's just stacked. Then they, you know, just destroy a ceiling of guaranteeing every penny in a contract to a quarterback that had never won a playoff game, who was pretty good, we thought, who's solid. Even if you're not the biggest Cousins guy, I think you'd have to admit, like, you know, he's pretty good, but $84 million? They spent $84 million on a quarterback, and I get their line sucked. But if I'm going to spend $84 million on a quarterback, I don't care if my line sucks. We should still make the playoffs. And they didn't make the playoffs. So I I am not discounting the chance and the potential opportunity for Zimmer getting fired. Uh, Big listener to the podcast from from a former NFL scout to someone who was trying to pursue a job with an NFL team. What advice do you have when trying to get into working for a team? I would like to work in the equipment and or logistics side of the team. Uh, I can only speak from a scouting standpoint. You know, I just, I, I worked in college football. I always think that college football is the best stepping stone to get into the NFL for coaches, for personnel people, for anyone. Uh, and so I, I'd always recommend going that route. You know, try to work, if you want to work with logistics, you know, try to get involved with athletic department or a, a football program, wherever you may live, to try to help, you know, that team travel schedule. I don't know. I mean, that would be my advice. Try to work for a college team. uh, And that's usually a good kind of stepping stone to to get to the pros question for the pod. Couldn't Kyler try football for two or three years. And if it went poorly, then go pursue baseball. 1000% on a much poor, poor man's version. Like of what we've seen Tebow do got drafted in the first round, failed in the NFL, and then tried baseball. 
I think Kyler Murray could be the much better version of that. The difference is, like, he probably is not going to be able to play quarterback. Uh, he'd have to play another position. So, would he play wide receiver for a couple years? Like, if he plays wide receiver and he can catch, he will not fail. Like, we've seen how talented this guy is. He will play. They'll give him end arounds. They'll snap him the ball directly. They'll do a lot of shit for this guy. So, I, I if he went to the NFL, unlike Tebow, who could not play quarterback, like, Kyler can do so many other things that I, I think he would, he won't fail. Now, I could see him maybe realizing, I don't want to not play quarterback. I want to play other positions. So I go, I try it, and then I end up doing something else. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that would be in the cards. Well, uh, watching the end of this Utah-Northwestern game, Pat Fitzgerald, who just actually, they, they were down pretty big, I think 20-3 to to Utah and came back to win this game. I think that's a guy to watch seriously for the next head coach uh, of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I think that that would 100% be in play. Next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I'm saying 50-50 right now, Pat Fitzgerald. Thanks again, for everyone, for listening. 2019 is here. Super excited. Uh, and just, you know, th- thanks thanks for everyone that's been listening to this, whether you've, you've been here nine months or however long we've been going or you just got kind of in the mix the last month, two, during football season. Uh, this has been a, uh, a fun ride, and we plan on making it even a bigger 2019. So th- thanks again for everything. Thanks for listening uh, to the 3Now Podcast. Tell all your friends to subscribe, and I'll keep pumping them out, baby. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply.